It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand, and we are setting sail clear into January for show number 132 for the week of January 14th, 2016, as this week we're set in sail with a stuntman, an improv comedian, a slasher, a pirate, a zombie, and so much more, as we're welcoming none other than Derek Mears here at the show. Derek is going to stop in and talk about a variety of different things, from his career, working on such films as the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, Friday the 13th, Haunted Mansion, his stunt work, his improv, and so much more, including his thoughts on Johnny Depp and his newest projects with The Resistance. We also have the D-Team back. Yes, no show would be complete without the D-Team, and you have questions, and Aaron has those answers for you in I Want to Know. We're also going to take that look back, dust off the books, and take a trip back with This Week in Disney History with our very own Nathan. We have Paige, who's delving deep to hit the seven seas and set sail with a magical music review. We have Jason going deep into the vault with another Blu-ray and DVD to add to your collection. And let's not forget our newest D-Team member with Cody, who's going to be giving us a little bit more of a look with our special guest Derek Mears in the Hollywood Walk. We have all kinds of news hot off the D-Wire from Star Wars, new action figures, Disneyland, Shanghai, the Disney Channel, as well as beloved actors from Robin Hood, many animated classics, and so much more. So before I jump into this week's show, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Mickey's Travel. Founded in 1994, Mickey's Travel is known for their legendary service, commitment, and experience, as well as their knowledge in helping you plan the most magical vacation that you're ever going to experience. You can even join their exclusive VIG program for exclusive benefits. And right now, you can also mention Diz Radio and get extra goodies for booking your trips through Mickey's Travel 100% free, like autograph books, lanyards, and more just for mentioning the show. So definitely check them out, mickeystravel.com, 100% free to book your trips and get that personal experience for your next Walt Disney World vacation. Check them out at mickeystravel.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I am excited to set sail, excited to have pirates, ghosts, stuntman, comedy, and so much more here this week. So let's officially kick off show number 132 for the week of January 14th, 2016, with looking out for some of our very own Disney pirates with Captain Hook. Be right back, all VD heads. Ships versus the sleaziest seas of the seven seas. Captain James Hook.
pale to the fountain of youth. You could guide an expedition. You are Jack Sparrow. There should be a captain in there somewhere. I hear a rumor. Jack Sparrow's in London. Hellbent to find the fountain of youth. Don't be a fool, Jackie. The fountain will test you. Was that really necessary? Gentlemen, the fountain is the prize. Mermaid waters, that be our path. Steady as she goes. What's your play, Jack? I thought I should give you warning. We're taking the ship. It's nothing personal. You might be better off, you just... Yeah! Stay out of it. There'll be dangers along the way. Firstly, mermaids. Zombies. Blackbeard. The pirate all pirates fear. If I do not make it to the fountain, neither will you. Is that it? I think so. It has begun again! Are we not King's men? How is it we can never meet without you pointing something at me? There's the Jack I know. feeling you get when you're standing in a high place, sudden urge to jump. I don't have it. Did everyone see that? Because I will not be doing it again. Hi everybody, this is Derek Beers. You may have known me from such films as Predators, Friday the 13th, and Pirates of the Caribbean. And you're listening to Disney On Demand. Never smile at a crocodile. No, you can't get friendly with a crocodile. Don't be taken in by his welcome grin. He's imagining how well you'd fit within his skin. <laughs> Never smile at a crocodile. Never tip your hat and stop to talk a while. Never run, walk away, say good night, not good day. Clear the island, never smile at Mr. Crocodile. You may very well be well bred. Lots of in your head But there's always some special case time or place to forget etiquette For example, one positively must not wear a pleased expression on his countenance when confronted with that large lizard-like amphibious reptile who has long jaws, armored skin and webbed feet and who is known as the crocodile It has been discovered that one simply cannot cherish an amicable or trustworthy relationship with the aforementioned species In addition it is mandatory that one does not become irresistibly drawn into the erroneous belief that the lateral awkward extension of his lips means that you are entirely welcome. It is much more reasonable to assume that he is contemplating how you would look in a lizard suit. His. <laughs> Clear the aisle and never smile at Mr. Crocodile.
Hey, D-Heads, you're listening to Disney On Demand. Wow, it's dark in here. Wow, and now it's Final too bright. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. Kari, Kari McKean. It's like Kari only with a K instead of a C and an A instead of an E and only one R and an I instead of an I. It's Disney On Demand. Well, it started out like any normal sitting gig, you know, with the reassuring of the parent and all. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. I just wish I could forget the whole thing. You will, kid. You will. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 132 for the week of January 14th, 2016, as we're setting sail and having some fun with stuntmen, comedians, and more, as we have none other than Derek Mears stopping in here at the show. Yes, Derek from the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, Haunted Mansion, Sleepy Hollow, Friday the 13th, and so much more is going to be stopping in here very shortly. We also have the D-team who's going to be stopping in with Aaron, Nathan, Paige, Jason, and Cody. We have so much things in the horizon, tons of news out off the D-Wire, and more. So before I jump into that news, fresh off the D-Wire, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete archives, our latest news blogs, memes, connect up with the D-Team, and more right there on the official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio. Com. You can also connect up with us all the social media outlets on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can friend us on Facebook at facebook.com slash John Diz. That's J-O-N-D-I-Z. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and so much more. Just search Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, or Disney On Demand, all of which will help you find our fun, unique, quirky, magical little show. And remember, you can always get the latest shows on your mobile device, your iPhone, your tablet, your Android, and more just by subscribing through iTunes and Stitcher Radio and get the latest shows right there on your devices. And remember, you can find all of these links and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio. So all of you D-heads, with that said, let's jump into news hot off the D-wire here this week because we have a lot of it as we got to get through it fast because our guest is so big, so bad, and so tough, I don't want to delay things for him. So let's jump into the 2016 Disney Parks Moms panel announcing 10 new members and an upcoming website makeover. Yes, Disney Parks has officially announced the 10 newest members to its 2016 Disney Parks Moms panel plus a newly designed website that promises to lend fresh insights and improved accessibility for future guests. Now, ushering in the new era of the celebrated online forum, this year's newcomers are diverse as Disney Park's very own culturally rich visitors and bilingual parents. They consist of bilingual parents, single moms, dads, grandparents, and even those with special needs children, all of which that have a passion for Disney. Now in its ninth year, it's hard to believe it's already been nine years, the Disney Parks Mom Panel is an online resource to help guests with their Disney vacation planning using the personal opinions, expertise, and relatable experiences of everyday parents and grandparents. With just the click of a mouse or a touch of the screen, travelers have access to a variety of different things, from enthusiast panelists who can share advice on how to maximize your stay, get the best from the parks, the most out of your character interactions, traveling, and more. Now, in addition to being well-versed in so many Disney destinations and amenities available, the panelists are also genuine, friendly, and want to connect up with you. Now, as they have officially released, 2016 is poised to be an exciting and transformative year 
for the Disney Parks Moms panel, said Leanne O'Regan, Director of Public Relations for the Disney Parks. Not only are we welcoming 10 motivated and diverse professionals to our esteemed forum, we're also preparing to debut a new website experience in the upcoming months, streamlining the trip planning process and paving the way for what should be a magical time for all of our guests. Now, in September of 2015, thousands of hopeful parents worldwide tried for a spot to make the panel. I am also one of those parents. I can raise my hand really, really high. Now, I'm not going to go through to all the people who have, you know, applied and actually got this for the 10 spots. But if you want to learn more about it, you can definitely check them out at DisneyParksMomsPanel.Disney.Go.com. And if you can't remember that URL, just rewind the show here or also go to our website at DizRadio.com where we have it posted as well. Now, moving away from the Disney parks, and as always, as you hear a lot nowadays, in a galaxy far, far away, and how about Disney launching all new merchandise celebrating the iconic characters from Star Wars The Force Awakens? Now, we all know that there is some great, great products out there so far. My boys, my family as well, already have a ton of action figures and toys. Well, Disney officially released this week that Star Wars The Force Awakens products have been kept under wraps to preserve surprises for fans. Well, now with the film breaking box office records and storylines officially revealed, new toys, collectibles, and more are rolling out. Some of those are actually brand new action figures as well. Now, as they have officially released in their statement, Star Wars The Force Awakens has made instant icons of all new characters like Rey, Finn, and Kylo Ren. We're excited to share an incredible range of products that celebrates these fantastic new heroes and villains, allowing fans to take even more movie magic with them home said Paul Southern, Senior Vice President of Star Wars Licensing and Disney Consumer Products. Now, for the first time ever, Star Wars was featured in the National Retail Federation's Top 10 Toys, listen, for both boys and girls, and the new line puts the heroine Rey at the front and center. Now, some of the new products are going to be an all-new Rey action figure where she has her lightsaber with her. It's no longer just the Rey with the goggles and her speeder that we all saw from the trailer. Now, you can actually get Rey with her lightsaber and in her garb where she meets... All right, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it, where she comes across a famous Jedi that we all know later on in the movie. Now, they're also going to have some great things like a Force Awakens Ray Blaster. And as we all know, she gets a great blaster from Han Solo. Again, a spoiler, but it has been a while. I can actually talk about this now. Now, there's also going to be a Kylo Ren Unmasked elite series of die-cast action figures. He's going to stand at 7 inches, and it's going to be fantastic with him without his mask on. Now, there's also the Lego Star Wars Resistance Troop Transporter and many other things. Now, it goes beyond just what I'm talking about. I'm not going to keep going and going, but there's going to be stuff from Build-A-Bear, rubies, home decor, puzzles, apparel, and so many other things that are now going to be some of your favorite moments of the movies that, like I said, it's been almost a month. We can talk about it at this point, but all new new merchandise from The Force Awakens is going to be hitting the stores. Now, going across seas here, this is something you may have seen on a variety of other Disney sites, of course, and not everything can be breaking news here at the show, but Shanghai Disney Resort has officially announced summer opening dates. Now, Shanghai will join the ranks of Orlando, Anaheim, Paris, Hong Kong, and Tokyo this summer when a new Disney park opens in June. Now, the Shanghai Disney Resort is the first Disney park on mainland China, and it will open on June 16th, according to Disney officials. 
Now, as they have released with Robert Iger, chairman and CEO, has said when it opens in June, Shanghai Disney will be one of a kind, world-class destination that is authentically Disney and distinctly Chinese. Now, the Shanghai Disney Resort broke ground in 2011, and it sits on more than 950 acres. Now, the park's centerpiece is an enchanted storybook castle, which, mind you, is one of the best castles I have ever. Scene, and it's also going to be the largest of the Disney castles when it opens. Now, estimated at a 5.5 billion dollar tag, Shanghai Disney is a joint venture between Disney and the state-owned Shanghai Shendi Group, which holds 57% of the project, according to NBC News. So get ready, June 16th, if you plan on going to China. Now you can hit up Shanghai Disneyland. Now moving back to the the states and small screens and everybody's favorite in the Disney Channel. Yes, how about the Disney Channel and Jesse? Everybody loves Jesse, right? We all love it. Great show. Well, now Debbie Ryan, the star of Jesse, has revealed the real reason that Jesse got canceled. Now Jesse is a Disney Channel classic, and fans are still heartbroken that it's over. Now the show ended after four seasons, and actress Debbie Ryan explained the real reason that they stopped making the series despite its gigantic fan base. Basically, it was just time. When a Twitter was released this week, she mentioned we did four seasons, the most Disney show has ever done. We hit a hundred episodes, and it ran its course. Now, many of you who may not be familiar, usually the Disney Channel runs many of its shows for three seasons or a hundred episodes. They usually fall short of the hundred episodes because they want to retain the rights for their own syndication. That's something most people don't realize. If you hit a hundred, you can sell it out for other stations to air your shows. If they keep it under that hundred, it doesn't have to be sold out for syndication. Well, Disney always does that, and it's also because that group of children have grown up. If they're hitting a demographic of ten, you run three seasons. By the time they're fourteen, fifteen, they're ready to move on. New group of kids, new shows. Now, even though none of us were ready to watch the series end, there is a great spinoff show with many of the kids involved in Bunked. And let's also not forget that Cameron Boys is part of Descendants, and as well, he has his own show, Gamer's Guide to Practically Anything. Now, since we are on the Disney Channel, let's also talk about Sophia the First. Now, we love Sophia the First here at the show. Great, great show. We've had past guests here who voice many characters on the show, but does Sophia the First like warm hugs? Because Olaf is bound to want one when the Frozen Snowman is visiting the animated Disney series. You heard me correct. As seen in many photos released online, Olaf, voiced again by Frozen's Josh Gad, is going to appear on Sophia the First on Monday, February 15th at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Disney Channel and 7 p.m. on Disney Junior. Now it's going to be part of the episode "The Secret Library: Olaf and the Tale of Miss Nettle." Now the second episode of a four-part arc finds Megan Mullally from Will and Grace returning as the voice of Miss Nettle, a role for which she received an Emmy nomination this last year. Now setting the table for Olaf's visit, Disney Channel will also feature the first time Frozen on Sunday, February 14th, because what doesn't say love, Valentine's Day, or maybe you just haven't watched it enough than Frozen? But get ready. February 14th, Frozen on the Disney Channel, as well as Monday, February 15th, where Olaf is going to visit Sophia the First. Now, getting back to the parks, how about Disney hiring and training its own security personnel? Now, this is something that has been a hot topic lately, and Disney's launching another major security change at its Orlando parks nearly a month after metal detectors were put up at the front gates. Now, many Orlando-based television stations have found out that Disney is hiring and training its own security personnel. Now, industry experts said the move shouldn't come as a surprise, as Disney likes to control what's going on with inside the parks and even when it comes to security. 
Now, as Dr. Rick Fogelson has said, the trick is to provide enough security to make people feel safe, but not so much that they feel alarmed. He said the metal detectors were a big departure, especially for Disney, a company that prides itself on immersing guests into experiences within the parks. Now, Disney has been using a private firm with security officers using black and bright yellow jackets for added security. But now Disney is beefing up its own security force with plans to move to an all-in-house operation. Now, as Fogelson has also said, it does not surprise me because Disney likes to bring things under control, and bringing security in-house gives them full control. Probably the security guards won't even wear bright yellow shirts. Now, Fogelson said that Disney controlling over background checks who they hire for the operation as well, and Disney is starting the transition with Animal Kingdom as its first test run. Now, the company officials have not said how many security officers it is hiring. Now, moving away from the Disney parks, why don't we get into musicals? Yes, everything with Disney is musicals, but how about Signature and Disney joining forces on a new musical version of one of our favorite Disney films and a Disney remake with Freaky Friday. Yes, in a deal that rockets Signature Theater into a whole new producing orbit, the Arlington Company will team up this fall with the Walt Disney Company to produce and present a world premiere musical version of Freaky Friday, with a score by Pulitzer Prize winning team behind Next Normal. Now, the show is based on the 1972 novel by Mary Rogers and two subsequent hit Disney movies about a teenager and a mom who switch bodies. We all are aware of this one, and it marks the first time that a signature will have forged a collaboration with an entertainment giant who has done such things like The Lion King, Aladdin, Newsies, Beauty and the Beast, and many others. Now, the new musical is going to be directed by Christopher Ashley and choreographed by Sergio Trulio, and it's scheduled to run from October 4th through November 13th on their main stage with tickets going on sale July 1st. Now, as they have released, this is the perfect marriage for us and material, said Signature's artistic director, Eric Schaefer, who began meeting with executives at Disney and a theater group and its president. They said, we are looking to work with other theaters around the country, and this is a chance to do it. Now, this is going to be fantastic. It's going to be fun. I'm not sure how Freaky Friday is going to pan out, but it could definitely be a very, very fun event. Now, getting into clothing, something that, uh, you know, I'm not too worried about in terms of women's clothing, but how about Lauren Conrad unveiling an all-new polka dot-themed Disney collection for Kohl's? As you may or may not know, National Polka Dot Day is January 22nd, and Lauren Conrad has teamed up with Kohl's and their favorite polka dot-wearing Disney character, Minnie Mouse, to help ring in the holiday. Yes, the fashionista just announced her fourth Disney-inspired campaign, Disney Rocks the Dots, with the department store Kohl's taking her website to all new excitement. Now, Minnie Mouse has been having a major fashion moment, so who better than to lock in the mouse herself for inspiration, Lauren Conrad has stated. You guys loved my last mini collection so much, I couldn't resist doing another. Now, this collection is going to be kicking off in time for Polka Dot Day, so definitely check it out at your Kohl's stores and the Last Disney Collection, as well as her Little Mermaid collection and more that is hitting. Now, if you're wondering who is Lauren Conrad, then you must have been under a rock because you may remember her from the hills many, many years ago, and now she's a fashionista, but she's going to have all-new clothing line inspired by Minnie Mouse. Now, finally, D-Heads, I'm going to wrap up news here for a little bit, but how about something on a sad note? And Brian Bedford, yes, Tony-winning classical actor, has died. He was also the voice of Disney's Robin Hood. Now, Brian Bedford, the Tony-winning classical actor, last seen on Broadway as Lady Bracknell in The Importance of Being Earnest, has died at the age of 80, according to many published reports. Now, he was born February 16, 1935, and has had an extensive career. 
Many of his Tony nominations come from a variety of different of his shows, from uh, Timon in Athens, Jumpers, and many others, and he also won a Tony in 1971 for his performance in The School for Wives, as well as six Drama Desk Awards. Now, for all of us Disney fans out there, he is best known as the voice of Robin Hood from the classic Disney animated feature. He's also been on a variety of different television shows like Alfred Hitchcock Presents, The Equalizer, Blue Murder, Murder, She Wrote, Frasier, and more. He is definitely going to be one to be missed. 80 years old, passing away, the voice of Robin Hood from Disney's animated classic, Brian Bedford, you will be missed. So all of you D-heads, I'm going to wrap this up here. Release the reins to the D-team because we have Aaron, Nathan, Page, Jason, and Cody all stopping in here as we gear up for the one and only Derek Mears to be stopping in here very shortly. But before I release those reins, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Mickey's Travel. Founded in 1994, Mickey's Travel is known for legendary service, commitment, experience, and knowledge in helping you plan your most magical Disney vacation. And remember, if you mention DizRadio, you also get some extra goodies like autograph books, lanyards, and many other other things just for mentioning here at the show and it is also 100% free no strings attached to book through Mickey's Travel so definitely check them out at mickeystravel.com the official sponsor of Diz Radio so all VD heads with that said I'm going to release the reins to the D team we have lots of fun on the horizon Derek Mears coming up very shortly so as I do that I'm going to play something that I think is very important in honor of the one and only Brian Bedford Robin Hood you will be missed I'll be right back all VD heads and take it away team Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest Laughing back and forth at what the other has to say Reminiscing this and that and having such a good time Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day Never ever thinking there was danger in the water They were drinking, they just guzzled it down Never dreaming that a scheming sheriff and his posse Was watching them and gathering around Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest Jumping fences, dodging trees and trying to get away Contemplating nothing but escaping, finally making it Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day Surfers, it's time to go behind the scenes of the latest Disney movie. Disney's news movie is Ape Below, and we have a special guest from the film. Hey, Rex. <laughs> this film was inspired by a true story of a scientific expedition to find and rescue eight sled dogs that were stranded in Antarctica. And I got to go to the remote snow-capped set to meet Paul Walker. I'll be back. I promise. In Disney's new film, Ape Below, Paul Walker plays survival expert Jerry Shepard who is determined to rescue his eight sled dogs after he is forced to leave them behind during a brutal storm in the frozen wilderness of Antarctica. Those dogs are my family. We can't just leave them out there. I got a chance to meet up with Paul when I visited the remote set. So where are we at right now? Middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're in uh, Smithers, British Columbia. We're pretty far north. We're almost parallel with Alaska at this point. So how cold can it get up here? The other day we had 30 below, but with wind chill, some people were saying it got closer to 40. This is the biggest Antarctica storm in 25 years. I gotta get back there. I owe it to him. So do you get to work with the dogs in the movie? Yeah, I'm working with the dogs the whole way. And action. I'm a sucker for animal movies. Anything with dogs has always gotten me. Come on, Max! Was it hard for you to build a relationship with the dogs? No. 
No. <laughs> Action! These dogs are really smart. And they're eager to do a good job. Paul Walker and the sled dogs appear in Eight Below, opening in theaters soon. You in or out, buddy? Uh, that'd be out. Hi, I'm Kevin R. McNally. I play Joshua McGibbs in Pirates of the Caribbean, and you are listening to Disney On Demand. You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey, D-Heads, this is Aaron, and it's time again for another installment of I Want to Know. think I've about recovered from the holidays, and I'm ready to get back to it. You guys have been busy sending in questions, and the virtual mailbag is full. So let's reach in and see what questions we have for this week. Our first question is from Teresa of Alabama, and she writes, Aaron and I want to know, my question about Disney's Eight Below. I love the film. How much of it is a real story? Were those dogs in the film used for anything else like other films? Where was it shot? And finally, is there a place to find the real story? Thank you. Well, Eight Below was released in 2006. The story takes place in the Antarctic after an expedition with Dr. Davis McLaren. The sled dog trainer, Jerry Shepard, has to leave the polar base with his colleagues due to the proximity of a heavy snowstorm. He ties his dogs to be rescued after, but the mission is called off and the dogs are left alone to fend for themselves. For six months, Jerry tries to find a sponsor for a rescue mission while his dogs fight for survival. Well, the background to 8 Below is based on another film, a 1958 ill-fated Japanese expedition to Antarctica inspired the 1983 hit film Antarctica, of which Eight Below is a remake. Eight Below adapts the events of the 1958 incident, move forward to 1993. In the 1958 event, 15 husky sled dogs were abandoned and the expedition team was unable to return to the base. When the team returned a year later, two dogs were still alive, another seven were still chained up and dead, five were unaccounted for, and one died just outside the station. As far as the dogs, in the film, there are two Alaskan Malamuts, Buck and Shadow, and six Siberian Huskies, Max, Maya, Truman, Dewey, Shorty, and Old Jack. Each actor dog had help from other dogs that performed stunts and pulled sleds. In all, over 30 dogs were used to portray the film's eight canine characters. Max, Maya, Dewey, and Buck, which is Old Jack's stunt double, were played by dogs seen in Disney's Snow Dogs. Eight Below was filmed in several locations, Norway, Greenland, and British Columbia, Canada. I've always liked Paul Walker, and this is one of my favorite film starring him. Well, our next question is from Leonard G. of Madison, Wisconsin, and he writes, Diz Radio and the D-Team, love the show. I had a question about Chippendale Rescue Rangers. How long did the show go for, and is the entire series available on Blu-ray or DVD? I do remember a music video for this show back on the day. Who sang that? What is your favorite episode? Thank you so much. Well, this was definitely a fun show. Chip and Dale are two chipmunks who start a detective agency, Rescue Rangers, along with their friends Gadget, Monterey Jack, and Zipper. The pint-sized detectives deal with crimes that are often 
too small for the police to handle, usually with other animals as their clients. The gang frequently finds themselves going up against two particular arch-villains, Mafia-style Tabby Cat Fat Cat and the mad scientist Norton Nimnall. The series premiered on the Disney Channel on March 4, 1989, after a preview episode, Catteries Not Included, which aired on August 27, 1988. The series premiered with a two-hour movie special, Rescue Rangers to the Rescue, which was later broken up into five parts to air as part of the weekday run. The final episode aired on November 19, 1990. On September 18, 1989, the series entered national syndication, and from 1990 to 1993, reruns of the show were aired as part of the Disney Afternoon lineup. Walt Disney Studios Home Entertainment has released some of the series on DVD. Two volumes have been released thus far featuring the first 51 episodes of the series. The first was released on November 8, 2005, containing episodes 1 through 27. The second on November 14, 2006, featuring episodes 28 through 51. The episodes on the first volume are arranged by production date, while the episodes on the second volume are arranged by original air date. My favorite episode is Gadget Goes Hawaiian, and I think the video you're referring to, well, it was performed by the Jets. It's available to watch on YouTube. Well, our final question this week is from Gregory Hellman of Delaware, and he writes, Diz Radio and Disney On Demand, and Aaron of the DT. I have many questions, but one I am discussing lately with my sibling is about the Muppets. I say there used to be a stage show with full-size Muppets in costumes at MGM Studios well before Little Mermaid, I think. Maybe a stage over there or something. I was told I was wrong and only Muppet Vision is the staple. Help. Well, you're absolutely correct. Here Come the Muppets was a live show that premiered on May 25, 1990 at the Disney MGM Studios. The holding area of the show featured a specially recorded video of Rolf playing the piano and singing with interruptions from Sam the Eagle. The show, which featured walk-around versions of the Muppets, ran until September 2nd, 1991, and was replaced in the location by The Voyage of the Little Mermaid. Ironically, two weeks later after the show closed, a second live Muppet show, Muppets on Location, Days of Swine and Roses, opened in another location in the park. Here Come the Muppets began with Kermit the Frog on stage. But the other Muppets are late. Kermit gets a call from Mickey Mouse on the video phone. Mickey's checking on how the show is going, and Kermit assures him that it's going fine despite the others not being there yet. Kermit calls the operator, which is played by Lily Tomlin as their Ernestine character from Laugh-In, and she asks to get Miss Piggy on the phone. Well, Miss Piggy is wearing a robe and has mud on her face, she claims that she is talking with some Disney executives but when she finds out that Kermit is using a video phone and that she can be seen, she instantly gets ready for the show. Kermit then calls Fozzie Bear. Fozzie thinks that he's lost, but Kermit tells him that all he has to do 
is go through the door that Fozzie's standing in front of, and this leads him to the stage. Shortly after entering the stage, Fozzie tells Kermit that Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem are going to come by monorail. Well, the monorail crashes through the wall, and the band emerges. Miss Piggy, Gonzo, and Bean Bunny soon arrive as well, and the show gets started. Well, this was definitely a fun show, and it is available to watch on YouTube. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for the great questions and keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads. Oh my gosh! It's time for the show. Um, oh, where is everybody? Um, <clears throat> uh, hi there. I'm Kermit the Frog, and we're uh, well, we're we're almost ready. Uh, uh, Fozzie, Gonzo, Piggy. Hello. <laughs> Hiya, Kermit. It's Mickey. Uh, Mickey. I'm calling on the picture phone to see how the show's going. Oh, it's going, uh, uh, great, just great. How does the audience like it? They, they love it. Uh, just listen to this applause. <laughs> Sounds swell. I can't wait to see it. Me too. What'd you say? Uh, nothing, Mickey. Listen, I gotta run. Uh, bye now. Uh, so long. Oh, this is terrible. I can't do this show alone. Uh, I know. The gang can't be far. I'll call them. Gracious, hello. This is your Walt Disney World picture phone operator. How may I be of assistance? Uh, uh, well, you see... Maybe you'd like a reservation at the Chefs de France restaurant. They have a special on frog's legs. dealings with... Rest envelope to... Davis and Kirk... Right down...
Hey again, D-Heads. Welcome to another installment of This Week in Disney History. I'm Nathan, ready to take you through another segment's worth of historical Disney facts and potential trivia. So as always, branching off that, let's begin. Kicking off this week, let's begin with a throwback to This Week in Diz Radio History, as usual, with show number 27 of January 2013 with a very fitting guest for what is right around the corner, Jody Sweeten of Full House fame as Stephanie Tanner. Check out this episode now and you can prepare yourself for the arrival of Fuller House on February 26th on Netflix. Now, starting out this week in Disney history, we begin in 1904 when actor Ray Bolger is born in Dorchester, Massachusetts, best known for his role as the Scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz. He also played the role of Barnaby in Disney's 61 live-action feature Babes in Toyland. In 1912, animator John Sibley is born in Danville, Illinois. He's best known for being the Goof Master himself at Disney for many years when he animated Goofy on over 40 short films. In 1930, Roy Edward Disney, a longtime senior executive for Disney and the nephew of Walt, is born to Roy and Edna Disney in Los Angeles, California. He will begin working for his uncle Walt after graduating from college in 1951 and will be an assistant director to the company. And also in 1930, actor Rod Taylor, the voice of Pongo, in Disney's 1961 film 101 Dalmatians, is born in Sydney, Australia. In 1957, John Allen Lasseter, Academy Award-winning director, writer, producer, and chief creative officer at Pixar and the Walt Disney Animation Studios, is born in Hollywood, California. In 1958, actress, dancer, and singer Allison Reed, who portrayed Mrs. Darvis on Disney Channel's High School Musical, is born in California. In 1961, actress Julia Louis-Dreyfus, the voice of Princess Ada in Disney's 98 A Bug's Life, is born in New York City. In 1966, actor Patrick Dempsey is born in Lewiston, Maine. He's known for his role as the neurosurgeon Dr. Derek Shepard, a.k.a. McDreamy, on ABC TV's drama Grey's Anatomy. He also portrayed Robert in Disney's 2007 feature Enchanted. In 1975, the Space Mountain attraction, currently sponsored by RCA, opens at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World, Florida. And also in 75, also opening on this same day in the Magic Kingdom, is the Carousel of Progress, which is an attraction brought in from Disneyland that traces over a hundred years of innovations in electricity. In 1977, actor Orlando Bloom, who we all know is the pirate Will Turner in all three of Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean feature films, and allegedly coming back for the new one, is born in Kent, England. In 1987, it's a great year to be a Star Wars fan because the first cast premiere for Disneyland's newest attraction, Star Tours, the original Star Tours that is, is held from 7pm till midnight that night. In 1988, actor Andrew Lawrence is born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He provided the voice of T.J. Detweiler, who we all know from Disney's Recess and the video release of Recess, School's Out. In 1990, although it's been up and running since December of 89, one year before, the grand opening and official dedication of Star Tours took place on this day at Disney MGM Studios. In 2001, Downtown Disney, a separate restaurant, shopping, and nightclub zone besides Disneyland's new park, officially opens to the public. This new downtown center is going to link the two theme parks and the three Disneyland Resort hotels, add in an AMC theater, which will also be be debuting, and it's going to be the newest megaplex in downtown Disney. And the theaters are housed in a 60,000 square foot building showcasing tons of different new features reminiscent of the golden age of Hollywood. 
In 2006, the soundtrack to Disney Channel's High School Musical is released. It'll debut at number 143 on the Billboard 200, and it'll sell almost 6,500 copies in its first week. In 2008, starting on this day and continuing through the next 10 days, Imagineers are going to field test a wireless device at Disney World known as the Disney Magic Connection. This handheld unit has the potential to inform guests in real time what the current wait time is at a specific attraction, and it's also going to let them know whether or not there are any fast passes left for a certain attraction, when they'll be available, and uh, you know a few more features too. And every day, 60 families are randomly chosen at the Magic Kingdom to participate in the program and provide feedback and try and get it more locked in. And we're going to end this week in Disney History D-Heads with 2016 for a recent one, when ABC Family officially changed its name for a new one called Freeform. The name change, which was announced last October, takes effect on this day, which is the Pretty Little Liars season premiere and the debut of the brand new drama show, Shadowhunters. Well, D-Heads, that's all again for this week in Disney history. Hope you enjoyed and learned something new maybe you didn't know. Feel free, as always, to email me at Nathan at DizRadio.com. Would love to get some emails and some feedback. And as always, guys, have a great week and see you real soon. Now gather round, my possum pals, join the jamboree. Come hoot and howl and holler from the heart. And every chicken, pig, and goat will help by helping out a yodel here at Lester's Possum Park. Lester's Possum Park. Visit Beulah's Farm Fiddles, pet our marmots, taste our vittles, Lulu's lizard, gizzard pies, work of art. Then do a dozy do and dance like there's a possum in your pants down at Lester's Possum Park. <laughs> Hanging from a tree uh-huh. We're mighty glad to see you And the parking's always free Here at Lester's Pop, pop, pop
of Bagan. Summon the Kraken! when you have the chance to do the right thing. I love those moments. I like to wave at them as they pass by. Hi, this is Rip Taylor. Could you pee? Could you die? And you're listening to Disney On Demand. <laughs> Rip Taylor said so. Disney On Demand yourself. Let's start those projectors and look at this week's Hollywood Walk. Action! Hey D-Heads, it's that time again. It's time to get ready for our special guest of the week. And this week we have Derek Mears, who's best known for the 2009 reboot of Friday the 13th, where he portrayed Jason Voorhees. On top of playing the role of Jason Voorhees, he's also an accomplished stuntman. Some of his work you can see in Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, and Dead Man's Chest. In Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, he appeared as a zombie and was credited as Master at Arms. The Pirates of the Caribbean franchise movies will always be one of my favorites, as well as most of my family members, I'm sure, can, uh, would agree with me on that. You had their thrill, suspense, your drama, your action, and comedy. And I'm going to keep in, keep watching them and enjoying them for a long time. So to know that he's part of that is, is very special to me. I think that's really neat. Being a stuntman and portraying some of the characters he has played, it appears he likes to be out in the action. He doesn't like to just sit around and kind of watch things go by him. He's got to be part of it, part of the action. He has to be doing something, something that people, some people won't even have the guts to do. As well as Friday the 13th, he's also performed on some small screen and some more big screen. Some of his credits would include ER, The Shield, Hills Have Eyes, and The Hills Have Eyes 2, Blades of Glory, where he did some more stunt work, Resident Evil, Degeneration, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, where he played Edward. If you can't remember who Edward is, he is actually the giant troll, or um, I forget exactly what he was in that movie, but he was like that giant troll that comes to Gretel's aid as she's being pursued by the sheriff. Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters, Comedy Bang Bang, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Predators. As well as mentioned before, Friday the 13th, where he was nominated for Best Villain. He's made appearances also in movies such as Men in Black 2, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the TV shows Alias, CSI New York, and CSI Miami, and also My Name is Earl. More of his stunt work um, would include titles such as Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of 
The Crystal Skull, which he was nominated for Outstanding per Performance by a Stunt Ensemble. The Pirates of the Caribbean films, which were mentioned previously. Also, the TV shows Angel and also Bones. I know Bones is another popular TV show that's out there. My wife is just a huge fan of Bones. I'll have to, from now on, I'll have to keep an eye out for, for Derek. Derek, some of Derek's stunt work on there. He was born in Bakersfield, California, where he performed regularly with the improv comedy group Comedy Sports. He also does some work with the improv comedy group The Resistance now. He, he started out in 1995, his first uh, real credited role uh, with The Demolitionist. That's, that's how he got started out in the field here of acting and stuntman. He got his big break, obviously, when he did uh, Friday the 13th in 2009. That's where he got his big break. He's had quite a career, though, and he's met a lot of interesting people along the way and some big names to go with it. He's worked alongside names such as Will Smith, Whoopi Goldberg, Tony Shalhoub, Val Kilmer, Topher Grace, Ryan Gosling, and of course, in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, Johnny Depp. It appears he's not about to slow down, as it, it also looks as though there may be another Friday the 13th in the mix, possibly in the near future, which he, I believe, would be playing Jason Voorhees as well, which would be very exciting, and keep an eye out for that. Again, very talented actor and stuntman, and now he's got a quite a nice resume here so far, and it appears he's going to keep building upon it. And I'm sure Disney is proud. I know Disney is proud to have such a multi-talented individual as part of the family. Thanks, D-Heads. Have a good week.
with a touch of pixie dust We're flying Never say never, no, no never no. to a Neverland Pirate When you're part of this crew, there's nothing that you can't do <laughs> Never say never, no, no never, never to a Neverland Pirate When we pull together, we can weather it Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And this week, as we continue to bring you all the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, many of you know my love of horror, my love of the darkness, and my love of Disney. It's always the yin and the yang. And with us here this week is somebody that is no stranger to many of you. You know him from great horror classics like the Friday the 13th remake as well as Hatchet 3. He's also been stunt coordinators on many different films like the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise and also part of Sleepy Hollow. But many of you also know him as an improv comedian. We have none other than the gigantic one, the comedian, the stuntman himself, Derek Mears here. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, really fast, uh, just to correct, uh, I did not stunt coordinate uh, anything. Uh, uh, actor slash uh, stunt person. Um, I haven't done stunts for like eight to nine years now, but I still have the skill set. But uh, yeah, if you say stunt coordinator, that means the guy who's controlled the entire show. Like that's not me. I'm not that high level. It is our pleasure having you stop in and chat with all of us here. And I guess you know before we start getting into many different things you've done, I guess uh, what got you started into doing stunts, into the film industry, and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, my background as an actor, uh, like years ago when I moved to LA to do acting, uh, I moved to do acting and comedy, and stunts was I kind of no pun intended fell into it. Uh, being that I was physical and had a background in martial arts, and uh, I'm a giant comic book nerd, so I'm like, wait a second, like I can like, pretend to fight and like do martial arts and also act at the same time. These are these are two peas in a pod. This is amazing. Um, but what got me into everything years back when I was a kid in high school, uh, I, I loved playing Dungeon and Dragons, and at the time I'm like, man, like how do I do this for a living? I don't need to be rich. I don't need to be famous. I just want to create with my friends, tell stories, and just survive. And acting was the, uh, the the closest thing. I love doing it, and uh, I've been very fortunate after all these years to, to make a career in acting. Well, you know, and you've been in so many different things, of course, most notably for many people in the horror genre, you know, from, uh, you know, Hatchet 3 as well as Friday the 13th. So I guess we can touch base upon that. What was it like donning the mask of being Jason Voorhees and uh, having figures of yourself as well? You know, it's one of those uh, iconic people. Uh, that's one of my my clauses. Uh, if you want me to do a project, uh, if there's a possibility of me having an action figure, I'm like, yeah, let's do that. That project sounds amazing. Uh, because I am a giant nerd. Uh, no, no. Uh, um, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Well, I, I, I distracted. All I heard was uh, uh, action figure. I'm like, yeah, let's talk about that. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> uh, what was it like, you know, uh, donning the mask and becoming Jason Voorhees? Copy that. No, uh, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, growing up. I'm a huge horror nerd myself, 
And Friday the 13th is my favorite horror series, and Jason Voorhees is my favorite horror character. So it was a, he gave me so many nightmares as a child. It was such an honor to be able to put the mask on and give a whole new generation nightmares. It was literally like one of the coolest moments of my life when I got to put the mask on for the first time because my body just tingled. It's kind of like the similar like when, when you're younger, or actually now, when you watch Star Wars and the opening sting happens with uh, the John Williams music and the scroll starts to come down, your body gets like, oh, and that giant THX, THX bass like shakes your body. That's what it felt like when I put the mask on for this first time. And uh, I was so very thankful and fortunate to, to, to be a part of that, that franchise. Well, you know, and that's the kind of iconic horror. You know, there's always the originals, you know, you have Frankenstein, Dracula, whatnot. And then you have the modern horror with Jason and Freddy and, you know, Pinhead. And now you can uh, put that notch in your belt as one of those that brought that to life. And I thought the re-envisioning was completely unique as it kind of meshed together the first three original films into one. Was there one favorite scene that was your absolute favorite? Um, God, you know what? Yeah, not like kill. Yes, but seeing like it was, it was fun the entire time. We all genuinely like each other, and it's funny. Like we, it came out in two thousand and nine, and we're all still friends. We all still stay in contact. We'll have like reunions every now and then, and it's really a, a special thing. Um, but the uh, the show itself, like my, my favorite kill in the show. Is the, the slow Saving Private Ryan esque screwdriver uh, through Aaron Yu's head? Uh, uh, it was just so such a crazy moment because when we were shooting it, Aaron just got out of surgery. Uh, he had a, a, a stomach problem and he has staples in his stomach like from two days prior. And I'm supposed to struggle with him and throw him across the room into the tool rack. And that he didn't complain once. We kept checking in, making sure that he was okay. And at one point. Aaron, uh, as I'm, it sounds so horrible out of context, as I'm stabbing him, he's coughing and, jo- uh, and, and choking on this fake blood, and, I'm, and we yell, cut, you know, and I'm like, are you okay? What's going on? He goes, oh, no, no, no. What I was trying to do is I have the blood in my mouth, and rather than just coming out of my mouth, I try to inhale it through my sinuses, so it's coming out my nose as well. I'm like, you are a madman. <laughs> you are out of control. Uh, but um, a lot of a lot of fond memories uh, from that show. Well, you know, and moving moving aside from horror, because you know, like I said, I have the yin and the yang, the happy and the dark. You know, being of course a Disney show, and that's going to lead me to some of the other things you've done in improv and comedy and being part of comedy sports. Because being a Wisconsin native myself, I am very familiar with comedy sports. I guess what is it like jumping on board and uh, wanting to do improv and stand up comedy, and what got you started doing that? Uh, when I was 17, uh, I was, uh, in, I'm from Bakersfield, California, and I was in the theater department there. And they had a field trip one day where we're, we're going to go see a show called Comedy Sports. And Comedy Sports, for those people who don't know, is a competitive improv comedy. And very much like McDonald's, it's a national franchise, so there'll be a Comedy Sports in Los Angeles, Comedy Sports, where it originated in Milwaukee, um, all over the place. So... Bakersfield had a comedy sports team. I went as a, as a student to see the show. I'm like, wait a second. This is like stand-up? Like, no, no, it's completely, it's improv. It's made up on the spot. There's no script. And I'm like, well, this sounds dumb. Whatever. And I watched the show and absolutely fell in love with it. And at the time, uh, all they had for classes, there wasn't like a whole system for learning. They had one class where they would teach you some of the theater games. And I'm like, I want to do this. And so I took the class, and at the end of the class, like, hey, we want to invite you to be a part of the main company and perform with us. I'm like, wait, what? I go, I'm only 17. You're all adults. What, what do you 
I'm like, no, no, we we think you're funny. And they offered it to me, and I took it. And that was the start of so many different uh, uh, enjoyable things in my life. I was really blown away to, to be a part of the team. Well, you know, and doing, you know, stand-up comedy and improv and, and whatnot, you know, it, the one part that is always just always fun is because you're a big guy, you know, standing at, you know, six foot five and, you know, just belting out all kinds of humor. Uh, you know, do you think that that adds to it sometimes where everyone's like, here's this big guy, big, burly, kind of scary, and then you just start slinging out jokes left and right? <laughs> It's, it's, it's a different, the two sides of my coin. One side is the comedy, the other side is the, uh, the pretend violence. Um, but I, I, I think it does make me, I guess, and you know, that it's all a matter of opinion, it makes me unique in that way, because not a lot of guys that look like uh, jailhouse murderers like myself do that. Um, <laughs> the, the one show that I'm really excited about, I have a, a, I'm part of a show called The Resistance, uh, and that show is not because I'm a part of it, but just that I'm, I'm such a fan of the guys that are a part of it. There's six guys, and what we do is we improvise an action adventure movie live on stage, and we have an improvised keyboardist, uh, we have an imp- improvised sound effects guy, does lighting, uh, but we there's no script, and we tell this full story of, of based on the suggestions to the audience. And what happens is we have a bunch of different stunt pads on stage, and I've had certain pads built to kind of look like giant Lego blocks, and we'll build scenes out of these pads and blocks, and we'll do full-on improvised fights and, like, flipping people. And, like, if we're doing, like, a space movie, for example, the gravity's turned off, we'll come in and grab each other and float each other around. We'll go into the audience. We'll use the audience. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't have a set format. But the reviews have been through the roof. We've been selling out, and I'm, I'm so proud of that show. And the, the other side thing that we're doing with that show is we're kind of doing a give-back program where – once a month, we choose a high school, and we'll go out to the high school and say, hey, we want to do a performance for you and do a live show. Uh, the only catch is you can charge whatever you want to charge for admission. We won't take a cut as long as 100% of the proceeds are donated back to your school's theater program because there's no funding for, for theater anymore. And it, it's, it's flattering where they're like, oh, my God, I saw you in this movie and that. And they're like, wait, you're going to do this for free? I'm like, yeah, wait, no one's better than anybody else. We all have skills in different areas, and it's society we try to move forward together and so we're trying to do like a give back to, to help out theater and it's been going like gangbusters and I'm, I'm proud of the guys for for being on board with that well you know and something like that giving back because you know it seems like the arts are the first things that are getting cut from many different school programs and many different programs and giving back is just a way to make sure that it continues to flourish and you know brings that next up-and-coming star now with the improv and doing these shows like you said you're having a lot of fun you never know what's going to happen um are there any ones that you've done so far as of recently with this new show that uh, have stood out where the audience participation has just been overwhelming and through the roof yeah it's, it's it's what's great about the show is it's not just comedy we'll also we'll, we'll do scenes where we're thinking of these characters i've done scenes where i'm literally like just crying my eyes out on stage and you're seeing like the, the tears hit the, the ground and the audience is dead silent but then later on when the comedy hits it hits so much harder because they're vested in the characters but there there's a scene uh that sticks out of my mind that it made me so happy uh once again completely improvised where we're kind of doing like a diehard type of like a terrorist hostile takeover and the scene is one person comes up and oh my gosh like the villains on the roof is escaping in the helicopter it's the heroine and the, the heroes go, I'm on it. So as he's, they're saying that the, the villain is escaping the helicopter, the, one guy walks across stage, another guy pops out an eight-foot ladder. The guy who is the villain pretends to step on the rungs of the ladder, 
Mimes locking himself into a cockpit, putting a helmet on, pulling the visor down, and hitting buttons and grabbing the joystick. Another guy <laughs> runs to the top of the ladder, grabs a towel, and spins it for the top of the propellers. Two other guys come on, grab up the ladder, and as the guy pretends to move the throttle to the left, slides the entire ladder slash helicopter to the left and across the stage. The hero comes on, stops, pretends at the edge of the building, looks over, and then the heroine comes on, like, it's too far. You'll never be able to make that jump. He's like, I've got to try. He backs up and sprints across the stage and all of a sudden starts to go in slow motion. I come on. As he pretends to jump, I grab him and press him over my head in the air, and he swims in slow motion towards the helicopter slash ladder, grabs onto it, uh, pretends to dislocate his shoulder, and then continues to fight with the villain inside the helicopter. And afterwards, the best compliment ever was, like, some fans are, oh, my God, that thing you did the helicopter, like, that was such great teamwork. You guys all working together to create this, this visual. Like, how many times have you guys done that? We're like, uh, that was the first time for a helicopter. We, we've never done that before. It just happens because we work together as a team so well. And that was, like, one of the moments that would just, it was so fun because it's, it's, it's like painting where everybody has a different uh, uh, pen and they're putting the different brush strokes and we create this giant picture together, but it's all done with six different minds as if it were one mind. Well, you know, and with that too, you know, that's the kind of thing where you, like you said, it's improvising, it's action, it's working as a team. And, you know, doing something like that is also going to bring me back to, you know, your stunt career as well. And, you know, as we clarified, not stunt coordinator, but a stunt man and working with, uh, <laughs> you know, working on a variety of different uh, films, you know, of course, for all of our Disney fans listening in, I know they're itching for me to get to the, you know, Curse of the Black Pearl, Dead Man's Chest and the Pirates franchise. I guess with that, working on that kind of film, I guess, what was it like doing stunts in the Pirates franchise? And do you have any great stories on set of doing some of these stunts? Um, yeah, uh, actually, I do. Let me think. I, I, uh, on those roles, I was hired as a stunt actor. So I, I had the skills to do stuff that also was doing acting things. So I played different characters. Uh, I did actually Pirates 1, 2, and 4. Uh, I got offered Pirates 3, but I passed on it to go do Hills Have Eyes 2 with Wes Craven uh, at the time. But, um, yeah, the pirate movies, man, like, it's such a huge part of my life. Like, Pirates 4, for example. I played a character called Master at Arms, uh, which, by the way, Jonathan, I got an action figure from, so we were good on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was crazy because I was on the film for six months, and the makeup that I wore was this fantastic zombie uh, voodoo makeup. And the thing was, like, it took about four and a half hours of application time for that makeup every day that I shot, and then like another hour and a half to two hours to take it off. Now that's before you're even filming. So you come in like, you could come in at two in the morning, sitting in the makeup chair for four and a half hours, and then, you know, at 6.30, that's when you start filming, and you shoot like crazy hour days, like, you know, working like 16 hours, and then you're done, and then you, you know, take it off and you go back home, you know, or the hotel, sleep, you know, minimal, and then hop back in, you know, hop back up to, to do the same process again. But the uh, the Disney films, like, man, the, the Pirates were so much fun to do. Uh, we, we, like, life experience. Like, we're traveling to third world countries and filming in these remote locations where you're packing in some of your own food. And, you know, uh, as a stunt performer at the time, you're always, uh, you, you try to overpack so for, for supplies in case things go wrong. Like, oh, if I snap my ankle, I've got duct tape so I can wrap my, my ankle or, uh, you know, brought in some medical supplies, some, some quick, you know, stitch, stitch bandages so if we can't get a stitch somewhere and something gets cut open, you can just do it yourself and take care of yourself if you need to. 
Um, but the show, like, uh, uh, and working with, you know, uh, uh, seeing Johnny Depp work is, he's, he's such a nice guy. We've had a, you know, a few conversations. We're not like best friends or anything like that, but he's such a, a humble, caring individual. And it's got to be difficult to be in his position because everybody wants a, a, a bit of his attention. And everybody, there's always someone looking at him, and it's, it's got to be difficult on his end as a performer, where you're when you're not shooting, where people are still wanting that attention from him. Uh, but he handled it like a, like a prince, and like I like said, the conversations that we have, like he's such a, a good human being, and he deserved all the success that he currently has. Well, you know, and, and like you said, working on these films, you know, they are filmed in such exotic locations. And like you said, you got an action figure out of that one. So that always, that's a plus. <laughs> and, it, and it also adds to your yin and yang because, you know, you got to be a zombie. So a little bit of Disney horror going on. Oh, for sure. For sure. That's my, my, my two wheelhouses. Like, oh, are you kidding me? Action and horror together. Yeah, let's do that. Now, now with working on these films and you know working on pirates, uh, you know when you're doing stunts and you're on these films, do you ever go back and you watch the film and you can definitely tell that it was you in one part? Like you're like, yeah, that was me. I, I you just know it's you, even though the fans and the audience might not recognize it. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, 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 I know myself. And a lot of those cases, also when it comes as an actor, I bounce between my normal face and also doing makeup uh, uh, characters from time to time. And what I'm, I always talk about in interviews is, like, you don't remember me. Remember the characters, because my job is to service the story. So whatever the story is, that's the most important thing. The ego, that's secondary. Like, don't even worry about that. Like, what's the best thing for this film, and let's do that. So I also enjoy, enjoy like, working on some of these larger films, basically the anonymity, where I, I can still go to Starbucks and, you know, and, you know, I, I don't, I, I'll get recognized, but not that often. And like I said, like my, my job is to tell stories. And I'm so lucky to do that in general because I'm not, A, getting shot at for a living. I'm not digging a ditch somewhere. I'm not in an office cubicle where my boss is an idiot in front of me. And which, those are like real hardworking jobs and I respect those. So I'm, I'm lucky to do what I do and uh, for a living. Well, you know, and, and like you said, you know, being able to, you know, go into Starbucks, get a coffee, whatnot. Now, with that and being on these sets, has you have you ever been asked to do a stunt, you know, particularly, you know, just, I guess, a couple more minutes here for all of our Disney fans out there. Have you ever been on the set of Pirates or whatnot, and they're asking you to do a stunt, and you're kind of like, you want me to do what? And you're just totally like, really? Okay. And then you just go out and you hammer it out? Yeah, a lot of times. It, it, it's funny because back when I did stuff, and people were like, oh, I want to be a stuff man. I want to do this. And I switch on my man. Good for you. Fantastic. And I'm like, well, let me ask you this. And I go, if we're to stand here right now, and I were to tell you, okay, so I want you to, to lock your legs. Or you're going to take a, a punch reaction, but you're going to fall all the way to the ground on the cement, flat back. Uh, you'll have a, a back pad on, but that back pad, all it does is protect your spine from hitting sharp edges. You still feel the impact. And people are like, oh, okay. I go, okay, deal. Now that you did that once, you, you, it rocks you. You know that you're you're going to get winded. You're going to get the, the breath knocked out of you each time you do it. Now I need you to do that seven more times. But when you do it, you know the pain that is coming. You cannot react to it. And you have to do it over and over again. Like, how's that? And they're like, oh, I don't really want to do that. Like, well, that's that's part of it. Part of it, you had to suck up, you know, and do things that are, you know, you know that are going to hurt, but you had to put, had that mental toughness to go, okay, pain is temporary and film is forever, is kind of the, the motto in certain cases. 
But uh, when you're asked to do things that are kind of crazy, what I it is, it's not just like the I, I meet kids who are like, oh, I'm crazy, I'll do anything. I'm the I'm the guy that's out of control. Because uh, they're seeing like the jackass, you know, TV show or movies or whatnot. And I go, well, that's not you're you're going to get somebody killed. That's not what stunts is about. Stunts is about educated men working out, you know, different mathematical angles to look, make things look as real as possible. And who do you want if you're like going to rappel down like a, a 600 foot cliff or I'm just making it up right now? Uh, who do you want the guy who's going to be your safety? Do you want the educated guy who's attentive? and watching you the entire time and who's your teammate or do you want the guy who's crazy out of control wacky and ready to you know take any sort of thing yeah you want the educated guy because it's your life and so anytime you, you don't feel comfortable doing it you can also you know walk away and like and have somebody else you know who is either willing to do it or has a skill set that you may be lacking for that particular stunt well you know and and with that too like you said having that educated person behind it and now being a stuntman yourself um you know all these years later uh you know you're pretty much incomparable of age as myself you must look back at tv shows like the fall guy and really have real appreciation now oh for sure but also it, it's the, the mindset has kind of changed where, where stunts is more of a sport now where guys will train and work on flexibility and, and you know, if you go to, 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 to physical rehab or you, you press ahead of time knowing what you have to do or the, the physical activity so you're, you're prepared. Uh, rather than, you know, some of the, the, the uh, in the old days when, uh, some, a lot of the stuntmen were, were, uh, cowboys and they were tougher than sin and hearing stories about guys like, Tackling another guy off of a top of a semi truck to the ground without any pads. You're going like, what? That's insane. Uh, uh, so those guys are like really tough, hardcore, you know, guys. But there's, there's, uh, uh, that theory of like, why work harder when you can work smarter? Because now there's a lot of technology that we have where you can do things much safer than you used to be able to in the past because it wasn't an option in the past. And now, uh, I guess, that's what I was saying. It's, they're, they're, it's such a, a, a well-thought-out process. But with that said, with any stuff that you're doing, there's a lot of uh, intelligence behind it. But there is that, that chaos theory or, or the, uh, the Murphy's Law that if it can go wrong, eventually it will go wrong. And that's what you have to watch out for. And you try to minimize uh, the error as, as much as humanly possible. Definitely. Now, I guess, you know, moving aside from that as well and getting into other things, because you've been part of such, you know, big, great franchises like the Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, Predators, Friday the 13th. And that's also going to bring me to Sleepy Hollow. And, you know, being on that TV series, that was kind of like a sleeper hit. Um, did you expect that to be as big as it is? No, I really didn't. I, it, it's so wild that the, the, the fans are rabid about that show. And it was funny because when I was brought on, I played uh, – the show's very, very kind. Of, I like the people very much on that show. I was brought on uh, on the first season to do a guest star uh, uh, for a character called The Gollum. And afterwards, they offered me uh, – uh, being that you couldn't see my face, they offered me the main bad guy, which is Moloch, uh, and then I got more and more uh, different characters to, to offer and played, and they were very flattering. We're like, no, we understand you're you're a straight actor, but also we need someone who can survive this mask. But you do this where you can change your voice and you change your body, very similar to you're kind of like a modern Lon Chaney. And that's, that's not my words; that was theirs. I'm like, that is beyond flattering. Like, thank you very much, but. The, the people in the show is the reason that I originally took the job. Like Corey Castanella, who does the, the makeup effects, 
we actually worked together to tie in Pirates 4. We worked together on Pirates 4 together, and he was such a hardworking guy on that show. Like, I remember seeing him and having his eyes kind of, like, glazed over like a dirty fishbowl because he would, like, do normal jobs and work crazy hours on the show and then go home and continue to work on other things that need to happen for the show and get, like, two hours of sleep and then come back and continue. And this would go on for, like, a month. And I have so much respect for him. So being that Corey is the, the, uh, the head uh, uh, makeup artist uh, and creature designer for Sleepy Hollow, I'm like, man, I know your work ethic and your integrity as a human being, and I will follow you to hell and give you blood because you're about making the, the best story possible and you sacrifice yourself for that. Um, but the, the, like the actors on the show, also like Tom Meissen, who plays uh, Ichabod, who's the lead, I tell everybody, if you're a fan of Tom, be a fan of that guy because he's one of the most kindest, talented, most real people I've ever met. People will come to set as a friend of a friend or, like, you know, the, the, the caterer will bring, like, their daughter to set. And Tom is the hardest-working guy on set. He has the biggest amount of work to do. In between takes, like, he'll walk over and be like, hi, my name's Tom. Like, I, I noticed you're new. Nice to meet you. And have conversations with people. Like, Are you, do you have everything you need? Are you having a good time? Okay, well, I'm going to go. And then hop back into, like, a crazy dramatic scene where he has, like, pages of dialogue. And without a blink of an eye. And he's such a good guy. So I'm like, if you ever get a chance, like, if you ever do an appearance or anything, meet him. He is down to earth and a fantastic human being. Well, you know, and with that, like you said, you know, being part of this show, which is huge, which uh, definitely is different than being Crosby's version of Sleepy Hollow from Disney. You know, it definitely is darker and deeper. Now, I guess, you know, so many different things you've been part of. We know you're busy. I guess, you know, getting back to, you know, the improv and, uh, you know, comedy and all those kinds of fun things. Where can people, you know, find you and see you if they're, you know, on your side of the coast there and want to catch any of these performances? Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, well, the Resistance show that we do, you can go to uh, resistancecomedy.com. We now have the website up and, and running uh, to find out uh, where, when, when, and where we perform. We have a regular show that we do for the Resistance on Sunday nights at 9 o'clock at the Comedy Sports Theater. Uh, I also do comedy sports as well. Uh, but also for myself, like I do my own uh, – I have my own Twitter, which is Derek Mears. Uh, at Derek Mears on Twitter, uh, and I also run my own uh, Facebook fan page. I just sounds so horrible. To it, it, it's uh, <laughs> the official Derek, Derek Mears fan page, which sounds horrible. But I, I run them myself. I don't have managers or anybody else doing it for me because I, I try to get back to people if people message me as much as possible, but unless they're they're crazy bonker towns, like they're they're out of their minds, like hey, can I get a vial of your blood? Like no, I will not respond to you. Um, but uh, I, I try to have the interaction because that, that the mindset is like, we're all fans of something. I don't think I'm anything special, but I remember when a rock band that I was a fan of like messaged me on Twitter and said, hey, I'm a big fan. And, like I lost my mind. Like I became like a 12-year-old schoolgirl. Like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Uh, so if someone's a fan of my work and, you know, I can say hi or like, hey, thank you so much or, you know, chat for a second and it makes them happy, it, it's passing that positive energy along. So I, I understand it on that sense, but never a, an ego and like I'm amazing or anything like that. Fantastic. Well, I guess with all the fans out there, as you said, you know that everyone's a fan of something. For all the fans of Derek Mears, whether that's anything you've done from Jason, Predator, Sleepy Hollow, Stuntman, uh, you name it. Is there any final words that you'd like to leave out there for anybody tuning in that's a fan of all of your work? Um, you know, yeah, I guess in a positive sense, it's like whatever makes you different, step on the gas pedal. 
Like it, it's okay to to be. I I, I meet people and everyone's. Like, I grew up having uh, alopecia, which is uh, my hair would fall out at a young age. Uh, and it's weird now. I can actually grow hair out on my chin, and that's the only place I don't shave my head at all. And growing up, I was a different kid, and you know, it wasn't cool to be you know white and bald growing up in Bakersfield. Uh, I, I would you know people go, oh, either he's a skinhead or you know he has cancer. And I'm like, I'm not either of those. I'm, I'm not a racist. So I, I learned early on going like I, I thought I was a monster and different. And then when I, as an adult, moving to Hollywood and doing the the TV and film stuff. What made me different, what I thought was my biggest weakness became my biggest strength. So I really try to encourage people because everyone has their different insecurities. Some people think they're too tall or too short or too thin or too fat or they have uh, weird teeth or whatever it is. Whatever makes you different, own it and step on the gas pedal. Like, good for you. That's you. If you're comfortable with it, then everybody else will be comfortable with it. You don't have to try to conform to something that you don't want to be or you're not. So I feel bad also all your questions you're asking, like, Derek, what's your favorite color? And I will go on a tangent. Like, 1930s, uh, the color structure, and what's, Derek, just answer the question. Stop going on tangents and going on a freaking monologue. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's what I would say. Well, you know, it was our pleasure having you stop in, you know, go through your entire career, all the different things, the newest stuff you have going on. And, you know, you are welcome back anytime. And I'm sure that we're going to be seeing you on the horizon as, uh, you know, whether that's uh, live in person, on stage, improv, uh, you know, maybe that Friday the 13th sequel that will come around at some point. You never know. It was our pleasure having you stop in. Uh, thank you very much, Jonathan. I, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And uh, you all have been super-duper fantastic times.
Oh, my siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Required voice identification. EC82. Hey gang, it's me again, Jason. Welcome back down here to the vault, where it's the summer home to all 999 happy haunts. I guess that makes me one more? Anyway, welcome back to the new year, and with it, as I promised, a new blue view for you every week. And yes, it may not be a new view, but I like to bring out the old stuff. That's why we call it the vault, because the classics keep on coming. Well, I guess if modern things still keep coming out, they'll eventually become classics. Ah, you know what I mean. We still give you the best in Disney Blu-ray, here on Disney On Demand. I'm going to go a little creepy, a little eerie, and a little more fun. Now, what I'm going to tell you and where we're going to go today, you're probably going to cringe. Most of you loved it, most of you hated it, and I hate to use that word. But you know what? In all actuality, for an early release in a Blu-ray, and, well, an attempt to make another attraction franchise fun, I'm going to dig up, out of the grave, the 2003 ghostly hit, Disney's Haunted Mansion. Welcome to the hustle and bustle world where Mushu, I mean to Eddie Murphy, playing Jim Evers, is probably the best real estate agent known to man. Why? Because he can't leave his work alone. Which does cause one bit of problem. He does neglect his family. In doing so, he misses his own wedding anniversary. And in order to make things right, he promises his wife Sarah and his children, Megan and Michael, a weekend at a lake that they won't forget. Work and play can never end, unfortunately for Jim, and Sarah is contacted by the occupants of a little manor owned by the Gracies. And what a better way to be able to do work and play but to swing by the Louisiana Bayou, stop in the manor, seal the deal, and head off to vacation. Jim thinks this is perfect. So with everybody in the car, they head off to the grisly Gracie Manor, where they're met by its owner, Edward Gracie, and his butler, Ramsley, along with other staff members, Emma and Ezra. This could not be any easier. Let's just sign the contract and head on home. But unfortunately, a storm has flooded the nearby river, caused travel to cease. So Mr. Gracie allows the Evers to stay within the manor for the night, just until everything is safe again. Jim's not too keen on the idea, however, this is a great way to seal the deal. And while the stern butler, Ramsley, leads Jim to the library to talk with Gracie, Jim gets a bite of the curiosity bug and starts exploring the library. And who wouldn't? Come on, it is the library of the Haunted Mansion. And in doing so, gets trapped in a secret passage. While the parents are away, the mice will play, and of course the children are no exception. I mean, it is a Haunted Mansion, and you're going to want to explore. It's huge, it's great, it's grisly, it's ghostly. Well, you know what I mean. And Megan and Michael experience something mystical and magical and follow this orb up to the attic, where they find a portrait of a woman who resembles her mother. While the kids discover one portion of history, Sarah actually gets to speak with Mr. Gracie in the library, who kind of gives us a backstory of the actual mansion itself, in which his grandfather fell in love with a woman named Elizabeth Henshaw. And let me tell you, there was love in the air. Granted, you do see a little love in the Haunted Mansion, but it's a little dastardly love. 
grandfather Gracie is believed to have hanged himself within the mansion over the love of Elizabeth due to the fact she had poisoned herself prior to their wedding. Meanwhile, while exploring the secret passages, namely finding a way out, which we're told is what we need to do in the Haunted Mansion, remember that, children, Jim meets Madame Leota. You know, the green floating head? The one caught in the magic orb? Same thing, except this time played by Jennifer Tilly. Of course, rather than being fascinated, he's frightened and runs away. Jim does run into the children, who are coming down the same path as he. The children are actually looking to find some answers and use Madame Leota. They do discover that everyone is actually a ghost within the manor. Well, how did they become ghosts? Cursed, of course, by the Gracie and Elizabeth suicides. Everything can only return to normal if they are reunited in the afterlife. And the interesting thing is, Mr. Gracie, who we were told that it was Grandfather Gracie who died, who's actually the real Gracie, see how crazy this can get, thinks that Sarah is actually Elizabeth, reincarnated. Now it's a 48-hour special in which we have to find all the clues in order to make things right. And Madame Leota suggests that the mansion cemetery be explored to find a key that will reveal the truth of what truly happened to Elizabeth. So Jim and Megan head over to the crypt where they eventually find the key and also do the one thing you never do in a cemetery, and that's wake the dead. Luckily, Michael's there to help, and with Madame Leota's instructions, once they return to the mansion, go into the attic to find a trunk. Now, of course, when we go into the attic, we find a certain individual dressed in a beautiful white gown and a drippy, bloody axe. However, here we find a trunk that has a letter written by Elizabeth to Gracie, revealing her true feelings, and indeed, she did want to marry him. Well, again, being the 48 hours detectives that we are, conclude that she must have been murdered. And once you discover that piece of information, as in any good Scooby-Doo mystery, the butler always appears, and Ramsley does so, revealing that he did indeed poison Elizabeth to prevent Gracie from abandoning his family lineage. I mean, you know, he could have just sat him down, given him a talk instead of killing people, but you know how those butlers are. So now that Jim and the kids know the truth, it's time to add them to the mystery. And Ramsley throws the children into the trunk and Jim out of the manor. And because Ramsley is such the great butler he is, and of course mystic, he curses the house so that Jim cannot return. While all this is going on, Gracie is still wooing Sarah, of course, in the ballroom. One of my favorite scenes. And while there, in a very awkward moment, Gracie has a confession that he believes that Sarah is truly his Elizabeth reincarnated. Okay, very awkward when you're just a real estate agent trying to seal a deal. In his confession, the room fills with dancing ghosts. See where I'm going with this? Can you imagine being in your doom buggy now? Which of course scares Sarah, and she tries to run out of the manor. Of course, there is no leaving the haunted mansion, and when she attempts to head up the stairs, Gracie is there as well, in true ghoulish form, and begging her to understand and for her to just listen to him and take his hand and be one together in the mansion. Again, the most awkward business transition ever. Guess who comes to Gracie's aid? Of course, his dear butler Ramsley, and Gracie wants nothing more than this wedding to happen. And Sarah fights it to all she can. But Ramsley, he does it again. He uses her kidnapped children in order for her to slowly think about the deal that's happening. If you marry Gracie, you get your kids back. 
Now, would she be getting her kids back as ghosts? Because children ghosts are kind of scary, too. Trust me, have you seen some horror movies out there? So, in order to rescue their children, she agrees to marry Mr. Gracie. Meanwhile, back outside, Madame Leota and Jim are ready to make their break and get back into the mansion. Well, he may not be able to get through the front door, but there's always great ways to get into the mansion. And depending upon which mansion you go to, either California or Florida, or Paris, Hong Kong, Shanghai, we have one place that is always there, and that is the conservatory. What a great way, glass and all, to break in and make a grand entrance. And Jim does so with the car. Okay, a little unconventional, but it is Axel Foley for crying out loud. In true heroic fashion, he rescues his children and stops Sarah from marrying Gracie. And how does he do that? We know Mushu is a fine man of trying to break up a wedding. Okay, well, Jim does do something a little bit better and a little bit more wiser. He hands Gracie the note that Elizabeth wrote him. You remember, the one he got out of the trunk? In reading it, he finds that his butler, Ramsley, was never the true butler he was and finally confronts him. Well, Ramsley is a little more than just a butler. Infuriated by this confrontation, Ramsley summons every evil spirit that still remains in the mansion. How could Mr. Gracie not listen to Ramsley? He only wanted what was best for the manor. And mainly, probably because it was a job and, you know, it's why get rid of the boss? You add one more person, that's another room to clean. I see where he's going with this. But true love will always prevail. And in his wrath of anger... A fiery dragon emerges from the ballroom fireplace, drags Ramsley into it, where he is eternally cursed for all time. The unfortunate thing is Ramsley's plan is still not finished. See, he secretly poisoned Sarah earlier so that she could die, and again, Gracie never be reunited with his true love. What are the Evers going to do? Will she survive? Will she make it out of here alive? Tune it back next week until we... No, I'm just kidding. Actually, if you remember back at the beginning when Megan and Michael encountered something magical, well, that special orb returns, only to reveal that the green specter was actually Elizabeth all along. Elizabeth and Gracie are reunited once again. True love does prevail. And with that, Sarah is revived to life. The curse is lifted The Gracie Manor is a beautiful palace once again, and with no need to be tied to this earth, Gracie gives the Evers the deed to the mansion and departs to the afterlife with all the other ghosts. And in finally sealing the deal in the most deadly way possible, but in the most beautiful way possible, the Evers finally get their proper vacation, bringing along Madame Leota and a certain quartet in the back of their car. And of course, we as an audience are always asked to hurry back. Now, when this movie came out in 2003, we were still riding high off of other fine films like The Tower of Terror, a Disney original film based off of an attraction, The Country Bears in 2003, again, another movie with attraction. And if you haven't heard that review, you can go back into our archives where we've pulled that one out before. And of course, Pirates of the Caribbean, not too much earlier in 2003. So why not bring The Haunted Mansion to life? Well, after everyone had seen it, the question had become, why was The Haunted Mansion brought to life? 
It wasn't so much that it was a bad film. It's not what Disney fans wanted to see. They wanted to see the true manor come to life. I think everyone wanted to be in that doom buggy, go from scene to scene, and find out what connected it all and what was the true story of the Gracies. We did see the story of the Gracies unfold here. I'm wondering if it's the fact that people didn't believe that was the real story. And yes, there are many iterations of the manor, so you can get one from Louisiana, as we so see in Disneyland, or a more colonial style that we see in Florida, or even better, the one we see from the Wild West in Phantom Manor in Paris, or the other fine manors that are out everywhere. You can't forget them. Some of the newer ones, I can't wait to get to. But I digress. Back to this film. When you place this Blu-ray in, you are going to get a beautiful rendition. Yes, when Chancellor Valorum is sucked into the fires of hell, you're going to feel it because that beautiful light and dark contrast is there. The quality of this video is good. Again, we're looking at 2003, so the CG work isn't as great as we expect today. But again, that was 13 years ago. Can you believe that already? The audio quality, spot on. I am so pleased with this Blu-ray when it comes to the audio. Granted, this was a second wave release of Blu-ray when Disney Blu-rays were just coming out. So to see this soundtrack done in 5.1 and so early on in a Blu-ray incarnation, I am greatly pleased. What are you going to receive in Blu-ray special features? Well, you know those are my favorite, and of course we are not disappointed. There is a, what is called the Bluescape short film, directed by Louis Schwartzberg. It is in gorgeous 1080p, and it's five minutes in length. What is it? Well, it's basically of the graveyard. Ominous clouds hanging over and eerie music. It has the ability for you to have it looped, so you can use it as a background. Think of it as a screensaver for your television during those ghoulish nights. A wonderful way to have a great background during a Halloween party. Or if you just feel a little ghoulish now and again. Want to know how some of these effects were done? Pop in the next featurette, Anatomy of a Scene. Short, concise, but gives you a great idea of how some of these early CG effects were created. Commentary are abound, and you receive two. One features the director, Rob Minkoff, and the film's costume designer. Another, a member of the effects team. Again, I love hearing about what went on behind the scenes or what was making up these scenes. So to have two commentaries on this disc, it is great. And again, all of these in HD, so you can't go wrong. Would I have liked a few more added bonus features, something that actually tied to the manners of the theme parks? Sure, it would have been great. But again, we're talking about an early Blu-ray release. Now, I do have to add a very humorous story to this movie. When we went to see it originally in 2003, yes, we went on a Friday night in eager anticipation to see what this movie was all about. We sat there, movie was going on, things were great, and then we get to, to the scene in which Terrence Stamp, yes, General Zod is there standing. The fires are coming out of the fireplace, and the movie stops. And we sit there, and we wait, and we wait. Most people are leaving at this point because it isn't until 20 minutes later do they get the projector rerunning, thankfully in the same spot in which we were watching, and continue on. So the Haunted Mansion does still have a little humorous part in my life. I will always remember the Evers' first trip to Gracie Manor. Of course, before they own it. So there you have it. Another one down from Madame Leota's library shelves. 
into your Blu-ray player. I'm going to put this one back up so that she can see it once again. And I hope you all hurry back next week as we bring out another fine Disney film from the archives for you to view in blue this year from the vault. So till then, gang, remember, the magic of Disney movies is deep inside the crypt and even deeper inside of you. You are cordially invited to the historic Gracie Manor, where there's room for the whole family. Master Gracie wishes to discuss his affairs over dinner. This house has a bit of history to it. And this history haunts these walls. I don't think it's a good idea to put that information on the listing. People love bathrooms. We should play up the whole toilet angle. I think that'd be best. <laughs> From Walt Disney Pictures. What happened here, Mr. Gracie? Do you believe in ghosts? No clue from the past. She looks like Mom. That's interesting. No message from the future. I am Madame Leota, seer of all. Oh, that's great. What is that? Can prepare you for an adventure. Find the key that must be found. That was easy. From the beyond. Hey! I'd really rather stay on the ground. Can I stay on the ground, please? Get ready. Hold on. With what? For the ride. Ah! Of your afterlife. You'll kill us all. Some of us are already dead. <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Dark spirits from the grave come forth. Don't you make no dark spirits come out while I'm sitting there. Wait till I leave before the dark spirits come out. The Haunted Mansion. Hi, this is Dina Waters from The Haunted Mansion, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Yo-ho, D-heads, Paige here with an all-new Magical Music Review. This week, Derek Mears stopped by to chat with Jonathan in the studio. Mr. Mears played a role in the Pirates of the Caribbean film, so this week I thought I'd pull in a couple versions of the classic attraction song, Yo-ho, A Pirate's Life for Me, much like when we looked at It's a Small World last year. Now, many times, this song has found a home in the films. Drink up, me hearty Yo-ho! It has also had appearances in other places, such as Jimmy Buffett borrowing the melody as the opening to Take It Back, the hockey video game NHL 95, Treasure Planet, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and to name a few. This week, I have three versions queued up and ready to go, so now it's time to set sail and head off for that horizon. Released in 1996, Disney's Music from the Park is a compilation of different songs found within the parks sung by various celebrities. The second track is our first version of Yo-Ho, this one sung by the Pointer Sisters. The best description I've come for this cover is that it's just a fun groove. It's upbeat and much lighter in sound than the original, and you can't help but dance around to it a little. 
jumping ahead 10 years, we find the Jonas Brothers on Disney Mania 4. This was the first release the brothers had of a cover of a classic Disney song. Outside of changing up the instrumentation some, the main difference between this cover and the original is a change in lyrics. It only involved the change of one word. Instead of drink up me hearties, the Jonas Brothers sang stand up me hearties. A minor change, but a change nonetheless. This is also a much faster paced take on the classic song. Overall though, it's a fun cover. And now to end our time together, we have the original version. Opening in 1967, Pirates of the Caribbean was one of the last attractions that Walt had personal involvement in before his passing in 1966. The theme song was written by Disney vets Xavier Intensio for lyrics and George Bruns as the composer. The song was sung by Paul Fries, Phil Ravenscroft, J. Pat O'Malley, and the Mellow Men. I'm going to leave you here for this week and let you enjoy the music. I've been going down the aisles of my Disney Music Library, and I have a ton of music already pulled out for us in the coming weeks, so get excited. As always, feel free to connect with me or the rest of the D-Team on the D-Wire discussion page on Facebook or with me at page at DizRadio.com. That's P-A-I-G-E at DizRadio.com. Have a great rest of your week, D-Heads, and until next time, yo-ho, see you later. Drink up, me, honey, Joe. We can't have a baggage and 
Jonathan Johnson. What? My dad gave it to me. It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be alone. You just tell the man you want to go back to your mother. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. It has been a fun, fun ride. So many different things on the horizon, and I want to extend a very special, magical thank you once again to the one and only Derek Mears for stopping in here at the show. Thank you, Derek, for stopping in and chatting about a variety of different things, from your television shows, Sleepy Hollow, Pirates of the Caribbean, your stunt work, your improv, your comedy, and so much more. I know we're not going to be slowing down and seeing more of you on the small screen and the big screen. Thank you, Derek, once again for stopping in. I'd also like to thank the D-Team, because without the D-Team, you'd have to listen to me ramble week in and week out. So thank you to the D-Team of Aaron, Nathan, Page, Jason, and Cody, all for stopping in here this week with their signature segments. Without you, the show would be that less more magical. So definitely connect up with the D-Team on our official website, They Don't Bite, and drop them a line and let them know how much you appreciate them as well here at the show. And finally, most of all, thank you, the D-Heads. Without you, there would be no show. You are the reason we're coming back at you in our sixth year this year here at Disney On Demand. So thank you, the D-Heads, for sharing the magic, the memories from your lifetime of Disney and allowing us to bring these magic and memories to you every single week. So thank you, the D-Heads. Now, before I clue you in as to who's going to be stopping in here next week, and let me tell you, it's a good one, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at Disney. DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our lifetime of Disney player, memes, connect up with the team, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. D-I-Z Radio. You can also connect up with us on the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash John Diz. That's J-O-N-D-I-Z. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. Just search Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, or Disney On Demand. All three will get you to our fun quirky little show and you can connect up with us on the social media outlets and remember you can always subscribe and get the latest shows right there on your mobile device your android your iphone your tablet and more just by subscribing through itunes and stitcher radio and get the latest shows right there on your devices and remember you can always get all of these links and more right there on our official website at dizradio.com d-i-z radio.com so, all VD heads, with that said, I was not lying. We have a very special guest who's stopping in here next week at the show. So, to clue you in, see if you can put the pieces together. 
Think lamps, think sand, think birds that are companions, and put it all together and see what you get. Until next week, all of you D-heads, as life gets busy, as things get crazy, like I always say, start off 2016 just right by slowing down, taking time, and never neglect family for business. Until next week, all of you D-heads, have a fantastic weekend, and yo-ho, yo-ho, it's a pirate life for me. Dead man's chest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil be done for the rest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. The mate was fixed by the bosun's pipe. The bosun brained with a marlin spike. And the cookie's throat was marked be like. It had been gripped by fingers ten. And there they lay all good dead men like break of day in a snoozing den. Yo, True. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. Every man Jack could have silver though pew. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. There was chest on chest of Spanish gold with a ton of plate in the middle hole and cabins riot with stuff untold. As they lay there, that had took the plum with a sightless glare and their lips struck dumb. Well, we shared all by the rule of thumb. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. Fifteen men on a dead man's chest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil be done for the rest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. Fifteen men on a dead man's chest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil be done for the rest. Yo, ho, ho, and a Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.